You're listening to a 4x4, 4x4 Radio Network Podcast. Who are you going to call? So when you want to call, you dial that number. Call! It's the Jeep Talk Show Call-In Show with Tammy and Tony. They're going to be talking Jeeps with you. There's no show without you, so call in now. Just make the call. Good call! Hey, thanks for joining us. This is episode 18 of the Jeep Talk Call-In Show. This is where you get a chance to call in live and talk directly to Tony and myself. Don't be shy. Each week, we have a question about your Jeep or a Jeep, your Jeep life. We want you to call in and share your Jeep experiences with us. So just call in now. You'll hear the show on your phone, and when it's your turn, you'll know. Just dial 302-202-1110 and enter in the code 219-835. Tony? Can we add some more numbers to that, Tammy? Uh, 1234567. (laughs) Well, that sounds arbitrary. That's my password. Oh, okay. Uh, that's that's a hell of a pin number. So, yeah. uh, as you uh, as Tammy said, I'm Tony. I'm down here in the great state of Texas, and uh, we uh, are are uh, patiently waiting here in Southeast Texas for several feet of snow. And we've been mm. waiting for several feet of snow since the late 1950s. Actually, I'm sure well since before the dawn that. of time. Since the dawn of time, I like yeah. that. Actually, I I think at one point there it probably was snow and ice a lot of it here, but. Uh, it uh, it didn't happen now. I think the last time I saw any significant uh, snow was in 1973 and 1974. Wow! And that was a whopping five inches. Which what you got like three that's, times that much last winter, right? Right, right. But 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 that's unusual for your area to get that much snow. Oh yeah. Well, since we've lived here about 16 years. Two of those times we got huge, two or three, three times we got like two feet or more. Oh, wow. So that really is very rare, but at least you have the yeah. the potential of seeing that. I, I think that'd right. be really a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, I'm sure you get sick of it after a while. Expect, you know, there's people up in the the, uh, the areas that get a lot of snow, especially the lake, ex, uh, lake effect snow around right. Michigan, that they're going, oh, man, you don't want snow. You don't want snow and ice. They do make really fun videos to watch, you know, when buses are sliding into cars at five yeah. miles an hour. <laughs> there were, there's some video I heard on the radio where, um, it just, was it today, this morning I heard this? Just cars and buses and snow plows and police cars coming down this hill just yeah, piling yeah. up against each other. I think that's the one I saw and I'm referring to. There was actually a couple of buses and uh, they were, uh, the, the first bus that came through there was just plowing through the cars. And again, I don't, you know, I'm sure there was some some minor damage to the vehicles, but mainly it was this very slow speed stuff. So it's it's something you can enjoy without the worry of somebody being injured. Um, you know, you hate to see it because the, you know the the car is going to be damaged. But I got to think that that that's just one of the norms for your vehicle in that area. If you're going to be taking right. it out whenever it's uh, that that bad of conditions out there, that it's normal to get. Uh, it, uh, you know, the dings and the dents kind of like when we take our jeeps off road you know it's something yeah. something's going to happen to it eventually expected yeah so tammy what we're going to talk about tonight well i thought we could talk about what is on your jeeps wish list for christmas oh or the God. holidays that could be a multi-year christmas uh multi-christmas year thing yeah <laughs> um and i 
I want to backtrack just a second. Okay. Um, I was thinking that we could share real quick with our listeners and our viewers what kind of Jeeps we have. Oh, of course. Um, I don't know if we've ever done that on this show. We know that you have a, a red uh, Jeep Wrangler. <laughs> I think that you have the color wrong, Tony. Oh, how dare you? That's yes. very not politically correct. Yes. No, black Jeeps matter, Tony. Mine is a black Rubicon. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, it's a 2015, and I just recently got it lifted. It had a 3.5-inch lift and 35-inch Duratrack um, Goodyear tires. Oh, and you're just itching to try those things out in the yes, snow. I remember. I can't, I can't wait. I hope. Hopefully, it snows. But you know, it was it, with all the things out there in the Jeep world. I was having a hard time coming up with a list for Christmas to give to my husband. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping that maybe tonight someone will prompt some ideas for me. So, um, Tony, what? I think you have a green Jeep, if I remember. It is, but it's uh, red. Oh, <laughs> so it it's close. It's the better shade of green. Um, yeah. So let me ask you real quick. Did you mention that your your uh, Wrangler is a Rubicon? Yes, I did. Okay, because that makes a big difference. Because uh, most people don't have lockers and uh, heated seats and all the things that you have. Uh, special stitching and the seat. Yeah, so it makes it easy to come up with a, uh, a Christmas list. So when you guys freak out about going, what? She can't think of anything that she would want for her Jeep for Christmas? This is why, because right. she got a Rubicon. So there's, out. there's a limited number of things that you can do. Uh, I mean, you could, uh, you could take them crappy factory, factory lockers out of there and put some good ones in. Uh, yeah. you know, you could, but could you imagine your head, your husband's head just exploding? Oh, I know. Cause I that, spent all that money. <laughs> But these are better, the guys said. Right. <laughs> uh, but the anyway, internet had said. Yeah. But anyway, I have a, a 1998. It uh, does not have heated seats. Uh, oh. Jeep Cherokee. I uh, bought it brand new from the showroom floor, which uh, very many people cannot say that about uh, their, uh, their, their Cherokees because most of them have gotten rid of them by now. But uh, we bought a, a brand new. Uh, we actually went there to get a Wrangler, uh, a TJ, and... Uh, since we had uh, two little girls at the time, and this was a nice bright red Jeep, um, which is uh, my and my wife's and uh, my uh, favorite color, we decided to get this one, and we've just kept it and kept it. We ha- had no idea at the time how well constructed they are and how um, tenacious they are off road. Um, so, uh, same drivetrain as a as a TJ, uh, and uh, just uh, a little bit bigger uh, body, a little more uh, cargo area, uh, more passenger seating. And uh, I think about one person, uh, but uh, yeah, it's been a great vehicle. Done a lot of modifications to it, and uh, Tammy, I've done a lot of modifications to mine, but I could always think of something to buy for it. Oh, I'm sure I could come up with some things, but I'm just—I feel like I'm running out of ideas. Um, it, I'm going back to the Cherokee. I've been seeing so many lifted Cherokees now. My drive to work. Oh, good. And I keep waving to them. They haven't waved back yet. Well, they're probably in shock because yeah, uh, that's kind of so. a that kind of a thing that the a lot of Wranglers, uh, uh, regular orders don't wave at Cherokee. Uh, and I wonder if that's because they're not built. You know, if you're if you just see a a, a regular old Cherokee out there, maybe they, they don't wave because they figure it's just another civilian driving something. Right. They don't know what they've got. If, it, if it's lifted, I'll for sure wave. Mm-hmm. Um, which I've seen a few. And then I we had to go to the sporting goods store. Um, this weekend to get my son basketball shoes and we pull up in the parking lot 
and it's not too full. And I pull up right next to this lifted Cherokee and my older son looks at me. He's like, did you park here on purpose? Cause it's a Jeep. I'm like, of course. Well, yeah, get, get with the program, boy. <laughs> so I posted the picture on my Facebook page and I put, um, God, what I, anyway, I posted the picture of my Jeep next to, um, this green Cherokee. And, um, I put love me a Cherokee and Rick M. He, he comments, glad it's not red. <laughs> well, you and know. And I said, LOL, me too. I go, that would have been funny. And then he wrote, you would have never heard the end of it. Yeah, well, I think that deserves this. Ooh, red Jeeps are sexy. Ah, yes, that's the one. <laughs> Shame on me. I oh, had to go start it again. And you said, you said green Jeep, right? Yeah, it mm, was a green yeah. Jeep. I guess green Jeeps are okay. <laughs> <laughs> you need to come up with a little thing for um the black jeep uh, i think it just get me in trouble <laughs> um so tony do you have anything on your wish list well uh, i guess there's uh well you know honestly i think the thing that i probably should wish for is the taking the time to go and uh, get those lockers installed <laughs> I've had, there you go you know i uh, i was looking at some past pictures and i i looked at these pictures and i think i've had these lockers for two years now and have still have not gone to get them installed and i I don't know maybe you guys are shaking your head about you know why don't you just install them i got a daily driver uh i've been told that if you don't if you have to ask how to install them you shouldn't do it it's there uh, you go it's harder to do uh and i don't know if this is true or not but it's harder to do the installs on those um uh, on the uh the differentials, I do a proper differential install that is to rebuild an engine. So hmm. it's very critical, the tolerances and the pattern uh, that you get uh, from the little paint that you put in there, all that stuff. You have to be very accurate about it. So Tony, anyway, I think we, we, we had, have a caller on the line. We had. They hung up. Oh. So uh, I was just going to mention, we'd like for you to give us a call and talk to us about uh, what what's on your Jeep's wish list, Christmas wish list, at uh, 302-202-1110. And then you'll be asked for a six-digit code, 219-835. And just hang there. You'll be able to hear the show, and uh, you'll know when it's your time to talk. Yeah, uh, so anyway, back to what you were saying, or back to what you were asking me about. Uh, I think I probably would get... Uh, some rear quarter panel. Um, best way I could call it is hand guards. <laughs> it's got these this tubing that uh, goes on the rear quarter panel. It's a whole plate that covers the rear quarter panel. And on the has, inside of your Jeep? No, on the outside, so that whenever you're going by things, trees and rocks and things, if they're up high enough, uh, it ro- goes along the these bars. They're, the bars are kind of like the ones you would see on the on, on sliders, except they're up close to the window. Huh. So uh, those things are pretty cool, uh, but uh, is that something that you just you're going to make yourself, or is that something they sell? You online? can you can make it yourself, but it really requires a, a welding machine, which I don't have. Right. Uh, I've I've priced some; they're about three hundred and fifty bucks, and it's just nice uh, thick steel that covers your whole quarter panel. That way, huh. you don't cave it in, uh, and uh, when you're off road. So uh, our caller has made it back. Yes, uh, let's hurry up and get to him before he goose, hangs up. Goose, thanks for calling, and. Uh, you have a, a red Jeep. Lie to me, right? Uh, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't have a red Jeep. <laughs> See, I, I said lie to me. That was the clue. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh, why do you? I didn't hear that. Uh, <laughs> how convenient. How you doing tonight, Goose? Uh, what's on your uh, your wish list for your uh, your Jeep? Oh man, I'm on wish list for my Jeep. Uh, oh, well, I'm gonna really have to say uh, another set of tires. Yeah, I can see that tires. Uh, tires are always no, actually, something. Actually, you, you know need. what? No, I'm, I'm sorry, Tony. No, I got to go back. I'm completely wrong. Rings, ring gears. Re-gearing. That's my wish list. Yeah, it's well, not its not one. as sexy, is it, whenever you get something that nobody can see, but you can right. definitely feel it and definitely see the, the gas mileage improvement if you're if you're geared way too high yeah. or low, depending on how you look at it. Yeah, now, would I, you I do this yourself, or would you have someone else that do it? Then I could get the tires that I want. So what size tire are you running now, and what uh, what differential gears do you have? I'm running the stock 355 gears that were being run with a 26-and-a-half-inch tire on a 15-inch rim. And I'm currently running those same gears with 31 by 10-and-a-half-inch spare tracks, same ones that Cammy has. Well, that shouldn't be too bad. I mean, uh, with the 32s that I had, uh, those 355s were kind of... Uh, kind of rough uh, going up and down uh, minimal overpasses, but uh, uh, I would imagine that. Uh, well, I, yeah, I can see why you still why you'd want to regear. What what size tire are you looking at? You must be talking thirty fives or something. Um, yeah, I'm actually gonna go up to the tire spectrum, you know, or through the popular sizes. I'm gonna see how I like it with thirty threes. You know, see what rubbing issues there are. You know, I'm gonna go to a thirty three by twelve and a half. And um, if I can, there are a few of them out there. Maybe go to a fourteen and a half inch wide. But I've asked around a lot, and a lot of guys are saying, "And there's really no need for it unless you're just absolutely wanting that look." Mm-hmm. They're saying twelve and a half are great all day long out here, as far as staying on top of them. Yeah, I can see that. I'm sorry, Tammy. You had asked a question while uh, Goose was talking. What was that question? Well, actually, I have a, a different question because he said he has the Duratrax, and I know he's wheeled in the snow with them, and I haven't had the chance to yet. So um, I would be curious to know how they do in the snow. I'm running a very narrow Duratrax, and I've ran an even narrower one. I ran a nine and a half inch by 30. I think it was a 30 inch or 31 by nine and a half or a 30 by nine and a half on my two door Jake used to have unparalleled in the snow. It, it, you are going to be hard-pressed on a tire. You know, and I'm not trying to sell or anything. You know, I'm not, I'm not getting paid to say this. It's just my experience. I've had a lot of, you know, I've had a lot of experience with the Duratrax. <laughs> they did something right with that tire. That tire. I, I'm really impressed by them. They're, they're it is unreal. It is very unreal, so, especially whenever you air them down. Even my ten and a half aired down, I I feel unstoppable in the snow. It is a major boost in confidence and just drivability, and they're not that loud. I'm driving it right now, and they're not that loud, really. And my muffler is louder than my tires. What do you think the uh, What do you think it is about that tire that makes it so good in the snow? I mean, obviously, uh, because it was so narrow, you were able to get down and probably in the harder. Uh, the harder part of the ice or the snow that for driving through, but 
just in general, is it a tread pattern? Can you tell some, what what's different about this than other tires? Absolutely, and I think it is what you're saying. There is the tread pattern with the combination of tire siping. You know, they actually, you know, the, the little slits in the tread block, and it has very open tread blocks for an all-terrain. It is a very, very aggressive all-terrain. And um, before I go any further, uh, can I can I tell you all any other brands that are even close to this? Or Of course. Oh, yeah. Okay, um... Interco came out with an Interco tire company, the guys that make the foggers, the IROCs, and the swampers. They came out recently with a new tire as well. And that is, I, it, I can't remember if it's called the, uh, the, the TRXUS STS Mud Terrain. I want to say it's, it's, a, it's a very good, it looks, it's, it's the only thing that I think that can rival the dirt track as far as snow traction goes with reliability. With tread wear, and the other thing that actually gives the Duratrack a really good advantage is if you look down in between the tread blocks, you see how it's not just flat. That there, there is actually like a raised part, like almost little biting edges down close to the. Uh, what am I trying to say? Down close to the you know, the flat part of the tire in between right, the right. traction of uh, the tread blocks. Right. When that gets huh. packed up with snow, that really bites. I mean, I'm it, have it to bites like crazy. Mine. Well, I'm really excited to try mine out. I mean, just what, with Goose saying how great they are, I mean, I hear that from everybody. And I'll, I, I can't wait to get firsthand, the firsthand feel of those tires in the snow. Hey, one, one more thing, Tammy, is I'm, I'm sure in... Tony can back me up on this. You, uh, the two great things about the Duratrack is if you want to clean out the tires, if you want to clean your tread box, you give it some gas, <laughs> the, the terrain will come out. You know, it'll clean itself out quick. Mm-hmm. If you stay slow, it sticks. And, you know, huh. with snow, sticking is best. You want the, the, the snow sticks to itself. That's how you can make snowballs. And it'll stay in the tire and help you maintain poor traction. So either you can dig down and hop around and cut trails through the neighborhood, or you can stay sticky and maintain really good traction with these. And I think that's why, you know, they, Goodyear's had such a great fun with these tires. Well, maybe this is, maybe you've just answered the, a question that uh, I think I remember the answer to. Um, how do mud tires handle the snow? <laughs> uh it depends on which mud tire you have. Um, generally speaking, if you want to go through deep, deep snow, mud tires, mud tires will do it. They have a lot of really sharp biting edges. They can bite into the terrain well, and they can move you forward. Mm-hmm. However, if you are daily driving, if you're going down the highway like I am, that mud tire is not going to hold very well. It, it'll it'll bite through deep snow all day. You can snow bash with it all day. It'll clean out all day long, but it ain't gonna stick. But there, you see, there's no sipings to actually capture the snow and make the tire want to stick to the snow. Mm-hmm. It cleans out. It cleans out much too easy. That's what the mud tire was designed for: is to get into the mud, bite where there's traction, clean out whenever it's in the open. Right. And. It's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's all about what you want to do. You want to go romping through some deep snow or do you want to 
you know, stay sticky to it and use the snow to your advantage. So I guess uh, up in snow country, um, either people people either swap out their mud tires or they don't buy them uh, to start with. Um, a lot of guys will buy mud tires up here because with mud tires, they are very, very durable. And the biggest thing up here next to snow wheeling, and actually I think this is much bigger than snow wheeling up here, is rock crawling. You know, here in the springs and near Denver, we are at the foot of the mountain. That is a big old rock. And you'll see some guys out there in the wintertime, but during the summertime, it is blowing up out there. And the mud tire is a much more durable carcass of a tire than, you know, you would say a Duratrac or, you know, um, a BF Goodrich Alterate. That's actually another really great tire for the snow is that uh, TAKO2. Mm-hmm. Those things are awesome. That's, that's the other one I would say would rival the Duratrac and snow traction are those tires. Yeah, we have uh, we have those on the, I, on the TJ, and I've got the uh, the MTs on mine. That's one of the reasons why I was asking. I mean, I'm not planning on going any in, in snow anytime soon, but I have heard, uh, I thought I had heard anyway, that uh, mud tires were not good, like you said, for daily driving on ice and snow. Right. Oh, it absolutely. sounds like they would be good if you were off road wheeling in the snow in them, where yeah. you would have deep snow. Yep. They. they- they would be good in that situation in the deep snow. Here's where I think it'll get tricky up here is if you are trying to go up a rocky trail that is snow covered, that mud terrain is going to become very slick and very quick. Mm-hmm. Right. And those BFG, uh, I, I actually just put a set of those on my fiance, or I didn't put a set. I helped pick them out. I put them on, or had them put them on her three quarters on pickup or asked her father to, but she, uh, I don't want to bash a tire, but a certain all-terrain tire that once it wears down a certain amount, it's no longer an all-terrain. It looks like a drag radio. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. I you not, and I, I don't want to bash it. I, I don't want to throw the name now. I, you know, I can tell you all later, but it's, once it gets worn down, it is a... I kid you not, the lines in the tread blocks are straight. There oh, is no gripping power unless you are on dry pavement. And <laughs> I don't know nice. why they designed it that way. <laughs> very nice. That, that was, that was it. Yeah, that sounds, was sounds like street slicks. Now, you can say the name of the, the manufacturer. Uh, we're not, uh, I, I think it would be good for people to know what uh, who makes those things. The Falcon Wild Peak Alterine. There you go. Well, I mean, Falcons. My fiance uh, fiance had a set of them on her big lifted three-quarter ton pickup, and she slid everywhere. She wore those Mm -hmm. tires down. She got great mileage out of them. She got close to 75,000 miles out of those tires. Yeah, well, that's why. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's why they look that way, Goose. (laughs) It really, really scared me looking at that. Not only were they straight slicks, you know how with a, a, a water uh, a tire to avoid hydroplaning, what you want to do? You want to hit the water and you want to evacuate the water out from underneath the tire, right? Right, yeah, you don't want the hydraulics the, to start. The shoulder. Mm-hmm. This tire did not have that. After you wore down the tread to a certain amount, and it wasn't down to the wear line, you know those little lines that go horizontally? across the tire to let you know it's time to change it. Oh, wow. She wasn't even down to those yet, and the, sh- and the shoulder blocks were now single strips of rubber, 
rubber. I kid you not, they look like the tires that belonged on an airplane. So this is this is really cool. So if you want to have a lot of fun, you just take that vehicle out during a, a rainstorm, and you just uh, you don't know where you're going. <laughs> you can. Um... Oh, she could she could slam on the brakes at ten miles an hour in a in an icy parking lot and go a hundred feet. Yeah, yeah start drifting, right? Oh yeah, is that what you call it? Easy, 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 <laughs> super easy. All right, Goose. Well, we've had you here for a long time. We really appreciate you calling in. Uh, we're going to go ahead and move along now. Uh, thanks a lot. And, uh, man, stay safe up there in the in the wintertime. Of course, we, yeah. spoke, we spoke with Goose recently about uh, uh, keeping safe during uh, all the winter weather. I think it right. was last week, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, he he was giving us some, some good tips about if you're out wheeling in that, that extreme, extreme snowy cold weather mm-hmm. and how to be prepared. Well, we, um, we only have a few minutes left, and we are well past our time for uh, talking about what you want to talk about. So if you want to call in and pick your own subject, uh, please go ahead. It can be Jeep-related or uh, or not. So uh, just give us a call. You can uh, see the number there on the uh, on the screen. I'll say it real quick, 302-202-1110. Then put in 219-835 and give us a call. I'm sorry, Tammy, what were you going to say? I was just going to say the exact same thing that you were going to say. Oh, you copycat. Yeah. <laughs> um it's interesting about the tires and wheeling in the snow and um one of my questions is when you have that super deep snow does it really help to air down your tires well, I, I, mean, gu- I guess it depends on what you're trying to accomplish if you're trying yeah. to get down to the hard part of the snow then you want a skinny tire if you're trying to stay on top of it because it's too deep to get down to then you want to to stay on top of it. So if you air down, I think that that increases the the surface area of the tire right. and lets you stay on top of the snow. I guess it depends on what kind of snow it is too. That's what I was is just that thinking. Light, fluffy stuff, or it's the hard. God, there's so much to learn about the snow. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Um, we'll see if I get any this year. I know up north they're getting blasted right now. Well, that's probably a pretty good indicator of uh, what you guys are going to get, isn't it? Generally, depending on the temperatures. I mean, usually what's coming across the Midwest, Ohio, Minnesota, North Dakota, uh, Michigan, we'll get that weather. But whether what kind of precipitation we get depends on our temperatures. You know, on very rare occasions, uh, but less rare than snow, we get icing. And there has been a couple mm-hmm. of times that has iced uh, fairly well here. And... Uh, it is uh it, it's a bit unnerving when you start going sideways. And yeah, I, I don't mean it's like fun a, now. It's, I don't mean seventy miles an hour. I mean just you come to a gradual stop at the light because you have learned from the last light or the fifty billion cars that are now burning uh, <laughs> in craters because they didn't do it. So you, you come to a very slow and methodical stop and right. you and you get stopped and then you start moving sideways. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the curve. Here comes the curve. Here comes the curb. Here comes the Oh, there's oh, a curve. No. <laughs> the and, light's red. I can't stop. Everybody look out. And there's nothing you can do. And you know, yeah. I I thought lockers would be would be very handy in snow because you're getting traction on all four wheels. Yeah. Oh, but, yeah. But I've heard just the opposite that it's not something that you want to do. Uh you want that the you want the open differentials. I was really surprised to hear that. Now maybe I'm misremembering because to me Well, was, I wonder if it's because you need to turn if you're gonna if you're sliding because you want to turn into your 
your skit, your sliding, mm-hmm. or your sliding. I don't know. I don't know. I think if I was doing, if I was out on ice and snow and I couldn't control where I was going, I'd flip every stinking button I had and give it a try. <laughs> well, you know, Tony, um, Thursday night on the Jeep Talk Show, which you guys can all join us Thursday night at um, ten o'clock central. My Wrangler talk is going to be about wheeling and driving in the snow. Now, I don't know. I mean, I know a lot of driving just a regular vehicle in the snow because I grew up driving in the snow. But I would love to get any of your tips on wheeling in the snow, the best um, tires to use, just any tips you have. I'm going to try to do a little research the next couple of days. Um, but that's going to be my Wrangler talk for Thursday night. Um, at the Jeep Talk Show, and you can find us at www.jeeptalkshow.com, and we're on at 10 o'clock Central. Yep. Um, so uh, do you have uh, – what was the state that you were originally from, Tammy? Is it Michigan? And I was born in Minnesota, Minnesota. and I grew up in North Dakota. Oh, my goodness. I didn't realize the North Dakota thing, or I'd forgotten yeah. about it. So no wonder you were talking about uh, yeah, uh, before the show. Yeah, I went to high school there. Yeah, hey, Tony, that. it looks like Steve is on the line. All righty. Well, hey, Steve, we only have a couple minutes left, but uh, we'll make a little time for you. How are you doing tonight? Oh, not bad. Not bad. Oh, I bet you he has some good uh, snow hey, information for us. Anyway, uh, you guys were talking about lockers in snow. Yes. Um, yeah, lockers don't like snow. <laughs> See? Why is that? <laughs> well, now, now we're talking about snow on the highway. If you're out uh, wheeling in deep snow, lockers are okay. You know, that that's another kind of a situation. But um, if you get uh, lockers on, uh, on just regular snow, uh, it's not a good deal, and the reason is that that locker forces one tire to move a little faster or a little slower, or if you've got a locker like Tammy oh. has, both tires are wanting to move at the same speed. And so if you start to go around a corner with that kind of a locker, um, the whatever end you've got locked up will break loose. And mm. you've got both of them locked up, both ends break loose because all of your tires have lost traction. Uh, the huh. idea in snow is that you have to have the tires stick to the snow. And uh, once it stops sticking, it starts spinning and doing all kinds of stuff, and and uh, that's that's how you lose it. So uh, lockers are not a good deal. And if you have an automatic locker, uh, like I have in my Jeep, uh, I was headed up in a couple of inches of snow one day, uh, and I had one side locking, and then the other, then the freewheeling side would lock, and and it would go back and forth, and my Jeep was doing the hula, it was just <laughs> going back and forth. That's funny. So, but you, you know, I was going, wow, you know, two inches of snow, and I've got to put it in four wheel drive. <laughs> but you knew exactly what was going on; it wasn't a surprise to you. It, well, it, it did surprise me that it was happening. I thought, gosh, <laughs> good thing I didn't have this stuff when I was living in the snow. So, so uh, uh, would a locker be okay if you were going straight? Well, if you're going straight slowly, yes. But if you're if you're doing any kind of, of speed, no. It's just, right. uh, and, and we're talking on, on street. 
Right. So, yeah. Right. You know, like highways and so forth. And you know, I don't think and I can engage my lockers unless I'm in four wheel. Lo- yeah, you, you know, can't, I'll- Tammy. Uh, personally, I would disconnect that because there are times when I would want to lock at least my rear end when I wasn't in. Uh, uh, but I might be wrong. So, I'll have to look that up. Yeah, I would hate to. No, you're not wrong. That's one of the things that a lot of, one of the first things you could do for a Rubicon, the first accessory I think that came out was a switch and a, and some wiring so that you could uh, make it so you can engage your lockers at any time and disengage your sway bars. Because if you're, if you're wheeling in mud, you know, not the kind of mud where you have a lot of times at an off-road park where you've worn down the bedrock and there's some mud on it. But if you're in some sloppy mud like in the Midwest or Florida or something like that, you're going to be in high range. You're not going to be in low range because the low right. range you have is too slow for that kind of wheeling. So in order to use your locker, you've got to have good old rewiring so that you can engage your locker uh, at something over 20 miles an hour. Right. Yeah, I know my sway bars, I can't disconnect them unless I'm in four low. Yeah, yeah, well, that, that, that's a, a safety device that uh, Chrysler put in to uh, eliminate a lot of liability. Right. Um, you know, and if I forget to push a button, uh, it automatically just reconnects them. Yeah, it's, it's, a way to, it's a way to keep the average person who doesn't know anything about his Jeep uh, from getting in trouble. Right. That's good to know about the lockers. See, Tammy, you already found something uh, that you can put on your wish wish list. Exactly. Exactly. That would would be a great, uh, make a great blog post and uh, segment on the Jeep Talk Show, too, because I'm sure you're not the only one that has a Rubicon and uh, probably not the only one that doesn't know about this uh, uh, limitation that they put in. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They'll probably look at me like, what? (laughs) No. I'm just going to get you this Jeep hat. <laughs> so uh, you said something interesting there, uh, Steve. Uh, you shouldn't run lockers above a certain speed. I mean, front locker, I understand. But rear locker, I would think, as long as you're going straight. I mean, if you're drag racing somebody in your Jeep, you, you want to engage that rear uh, locker. Oh, okay. I take it back. If you're drag racing somebody, you're, <laughs> you're putting the tires anyway. They've already lost traction. That's uh you know, and, and there's other times, too, you know, like I used to go out and cut donuts in the sand and snow and all that stuff. And lockers are great for that because it locks the rear end and you can kick both tires loose and, uh, you know, you can have fun doing that. But I, I was thinking about uh, uh, street use when I said that. Right. Right. Just so, regular, like, daily driving. So, like most things, it's nice to be able to have that uh, manual control, but there's a lot of... Uh, uh, knowledge and or experience that you have to have uh, in knowing how uh, how and when to, to right. press those buttons or, or do those maneuvers. Yeah, the thing that kind of came to mind to me was that if you were out in the ice and snow and you found yourself in a ditch, it seems to me that you would want maximum traction to get up out of that ditch. So in my mind, if I got lockers, I'm turning that on, afterburner, anything I got to help me get out of that situation. And I was just making sure that you know, if, if for some strange reason uh, global climate change comes and we have a, a nice ice snow park here, I would at least know what to do. 
Yeah, that's true. And, and, uh, I'll give you a real life situation, uh, where that happened. Uh, my son and I were up doing a little exploring in his, uh, TJ and uh, this guy in a Rubicon came around the corner and he just thought, well, he'd be nice and pull over for us. And he was kind of in the, uh, the ditch type of thing. And, uh, so he was, you know, doing the usual male BS thing and he went to move his Jeep <laughs> and he couldn't move. And, and, uh, he had a, he just had a stock Rubicon. So, uh, he, uh, went to turn on his locker and guess what? He didn't have that little wiring job I was talking about. And so he had to try to get his Jeep into low range so that he could turn on his lockers and he couldn't get the thing into low range. We almost had to pull him out of the ditch. Oh no. Well, a no. lot of times well, he finally got it in and everything, but you know, it was just real inconvenient. If he had wired around that, uh, feature, you know, that, uh, transfer case switch, um, he would have just been able to flip his lockers on and, and pull out and, and, uh, we wouldn't have even noticed it probably. Yeah. For me to get into four low, I need to be rolling and flat. Um, yeah, the uh, the chain drive transfer cases are all kind of like that. They uh, they just don't like to go into low range if you're not uh, moving a little bit. They don't like to come out of it either very well. Yeah, mine is really finicky. So it's Steve, very finicky. Steve, I know that you don't you know you no longer have a uh, a new process transfer case in your XJ, but uh, I haven't put mine in four wheel low that many times. But as I recall. It wasn't a problem for me putting it in four-wheel low, and I actually would have to come to a stop, uh, put it in neutral, and then uh, put it in four-wheel low. Am I remembering incorrectly? Yeah, no, you probably aren't. Uh, there's really uh, probably not a uh, universal uh, situation that covers everybody. Okay. For instance, uh, my uh, XJ used to have a five-speed in it. I would just uh, put my foot on the clutch or I would, uh, just take it out of gear, whatever. And I could just pull on the handle, get right into low range. And if I, uh, uh, wanted to get out of it, I just come to a stop and push the handle down and I was in two wheel drive. Mm -hmm. So it, it, uh, is really easy with standard transmission when you, you put an automatic transmission in the mix and then you have to uh, make sure that you don't have too much pressure on the gears and the uh, rockets in that transfer case or they won't move and or they won't mesh correctly and all this kind of stuff. Uh, it, it starts getting more complicated because of automatic transmissions. Okay. This is, this, and, is making, uh, this is making sense, and I'm remembering now. I don't think I actually read the manual. I think I just figured it out. Mm -hmm. And that's what I would do. I would have to put the transmission in neutral let the, the gears uh, spin down inside the transfer case, and then I could put it in four-wheel low, put it back in drive, and then hang on as it went into drive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that sounds about right. And, uh, uh, you know, that's the, the convenience that we got uh, being able to shift on the fly into four-wheel drive at any speed uh, without locking hubs and everything is offset by how the heck do I get this thing out of gear now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is. It, it says that you just think you're done. You're not done. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. That's basically kind of the situation. And, and 
getting it, it just for our listeners, getting it out of four wheel drive into two wheel drive, like if you're on snow or something like that, uh, that's kind of an art form too. Oh, I bet. Um, yeah. Takes lots of it, practice. It's something that, yeah, if you can anticipate it, uh, you know, if you're coming out of the snow and you're headed for the dry pavement, uh, right before I hit the dry pavement, I back off on the, on the gas pedal, jump the handle down and, uh, then it'll, uh, usually get right out of it and I don't have to slow down or anything, but there's a lot of people that end up having to stop their Jeep, back it up, wait for the little light to go off and all kinds of things. Uh, they're kind of really inconvenient. Right. And, uh, but if you get used to just backing off on the gas, shove the handle down, there's really only a little tiny spring that pushes it out of four-wheel drive. It's, it's positive to engage it, but to disengage it is just that little spring. And if there's any pressure at all on the gears, it just won't go. Well, I guess if you, uh, if you want it in four-wheel drive, uh, I, I guess it's more important to have it in four-wheel drive than get it back in two-wheel drive. I mean, if you're in a situation where you need four-wheel drive, you definitely want it to go in there and stay in there. And then you can always, uh, yeah. once you're out of the situation, you can always figure out the rest of it later. Now, is your uh, is your Atlas uh, transfer case as persnickety as the, the, the MPs? No. Uh, it was a little persnickety when I got it, uh, getting it into uh, uh, four-wheel drive and low range and so forth. And mm-hmm. The reason for that was that they had put these big, heavy synchromesh and they're, they're huge. Uh, they're it's almost a pound of brass in each synchro ring. Oh, jeez. Wow. Anyway, they put those in, and, and I just got tired of that. So I, uh, I took my Atlas apart, and I took those synchros out, and I took the detents out that they had. Uh, that's a little rod that goes between the shift rails. And uh, now uh, I just shift it in any gear, any time I want. It's total old school in my transfer case. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, and and so uh, a lot of times when I when I'm uh, out wheeling, I'll have it in uh, the 3.8 uh, range, and if I really need to get down slow to 10 to one, if if I'm just sort of uh, stopped and in neutral, I can haul back on that real fast, and I can get it into the lowest range. And then I can get it back out too. Uh, now, so uh, and I can shift in either any of the ranges. And it's no big deal now. It's like it should have been, but they, you know, it was due to liability issues. Oh, okay. And that, you know, they didn't want anybody <clears throat> driving around in front wheel drive and high range and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. My next so. question was going to be: I know you had to uh, give them a lot of input because it was almost custom built for you. They. Uh, uh, if I remember correctly, you say that, that they basically, I'm not going to say it's custom built, but it's kind of like that because you, you tell them everything that you want. So I'm assuming you couldn't have ordered it without those pieces that you removed. No, I couldn't. Yeah. Because of the liability. <laughs> they, uh, they were explicit about that. <laughs> <laughs> they, uh, they said, they just told me that, you know, I could do a front burn in, in low range and that's the only way I could get it because I guess people had asked them. And the, re- the reason they gave me was is they did not want anybody trying to drive around in just front-wheel drive at speed with their Atlas. I don't hmm. know 
what the big deal is. I've done that many times before in several different four-wheel drives I've had. Yeah, but, that is interesting. Uh, but anyway, that was that was their reason, and uh, uh, I took quite a few parts out so that I could get rid of that feature. You need to come up with a kit, an anti-kit, Steve. It's a piece of paper that you download. Well, the anti <laughs> the anti kit is you just start pulling parts out. <laughs> That's all you have to do. Uh, so it's like any time that you work on something, uh, you have to have extra parts uh, left over if you had done it correctly. Hey, Steve, thanks a lot for calling. We're uh, we're well past our time, so we're going to go ahead and uh, move along. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk to you before uh, Christmas time. But if not, have a you and your family have a very merry Christmas and uh, happy holidays uh, and three rocks and a stick. Yeah, we should too, we, we should bring back uh, or not bring back. We should bring uh, Festivus because everybody can agree on Festivus, right? Well, I guess. <laughs> I'm sure someone will complain about it. Oh, everybody's got to complain. Yeah. I like it whenever they talk about if you didn't vote, you can't complain. Says who? Where's that in the Constitution? (laughs) I know. It's your right not to vote. It's your right to vote. Vote. It's your right to complain. That's that's the only right. Pardon? It's your right to complain. That's the only true right. Right. Um, thanks for joining us. This was episode 18 of the Jeep Talk Holland Show. We're here every Tuesday night at 9 o'clock Central Time. And give us a call. We will be here every Tuesday night and on Thursday night. Well, that's weird. Your audio just went away. Did it really? Yeah. You were talking, but I didn't. I mean, I saw your mouth moving, but I didn't hear anything. Huh. Yeah, I hear you now. Yeah. It did it again. Well, let me just tell you guys, uh, we, will, we, will, we would love for you guys to come over and uh, visit with us on Thursday night, 10 p.m. Central Time at the Jeep Talk Show. And uh, really looking forward to uh, our Christmas uh, show. Uh, it'll be a regular show on the 23rd, I think, whatever the Thursday is for that. So uh, looking forward to that. Tammy, can we hear you now? Check, check, one, check, two. Check. Syllabus, syllabus. Uh, so uh, anyway, uh, we uh, uh, really appreciate you coming tonight. We hope you guys uh, had an opportunity to call in. If not, they'll be next week. Good night, everyone. Good night.